Hi. Okay. So, uh, we have a we have an interesting we have an interesting podcast this mm-hmm. week. Uh, and actually, okay. So, uh, in the history of this podcast, uh, when it first started, started hot and heavy. Got about six of them done, and I was like, "Holy shit! This is exhausting. <laughs> this is <laughs> so much ADR. work. Oh. This is so much work." I was a one woman operation, and now I have Alex here to help. And and in the what in the attempts to still like keep it going on my own, I had interviewed. Uh, how would you like to identify yourself? Me? Yeah. Well, do you? My, uh, you say your thing. Say what you were about to say. I feel well, like I, I cut you off. Well, I interviewed. Okay, how about this? So I interviewed this person, and I uh, and I and it just has been sitting uh, on in in my Dropbox for almost for a year. Just chilling just in the crisper chillin', drawer. Just chilling. So if you're catching uh, this episode, go back one more episode uh, because there's going to be another episode of this person. We're going to release them back to back. Oh, man. So folks can kind of like track your growth and that'll be cool, right? There will be such a change between that episode <laughs> and this episode. You had a lot happen since then. <laughs> I had a lot happen since then. <laughs> You've become the, may- the mayor of Vanilla Town since then. The mayor of Vanilla no? Town. Okay. He's just what is that? Just white. <laughs> uh, so, how would you like to uh, uh, identify yourself, you aggressively white man? I'm back. <laughs> uh, you may refer to me as uh, Your Excellency, the Mayor of Vanilla Town. <laughs> uh, I, my name is Jay Light. I am an alcoholic. Hello. Uh, Hi. At this point, two years sober. Woo! From the Whoa. alcohols. Yeah. Mm. Very That's impressive. when shit starts getting real. Shit is getting real. Yeah, two, <laughs> I'll tell two you to, what. Two to five was like I was such a brat. I was such a brat in my recovery, <laughs> and I just remember being, "Why isn't the world reacting to me in a nice way?" And I had a sponsor be like, "Well, because you're being a brat all the time." <laughs> <laughs> what about me? Exactly. So, um, so that's cool, man. Uh, so. As far as the, we haven't really, you just want to bring Jay back on. Do you yeah. want to drive the questions this time? Oh, sure. Let's drive oh, them. Let's drive them. Calm, yeah, we Alex. had them all from Anna before. Yeah, Alex is going to drive the questions this flying time. Flying solo. I know. Well, like, let's start off with like, Jay, how's your day going, man? My day's going all right. Um, I am in a, in a, in a very like, in the zone place uh, mm-hmm. because I am trying to get all of this stuff prepared. I'm going on the road tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, Where are you going? Going to Detroit. Ooh. Doing a comedy festival. Nice. Uh, You're so brave. I get I mean, Here's the thing. I hear Detroit is full of, uh, of, of not problems for white people so much anymore. Oh, it's full good. of, apparently, apparently it's full of... Uh, it's gentrifying. Yeah, There's exactly. Like it's super gentrifying. pubs and like... Pu- pop-up gourmet what? restaurants. They got yeah. artisan mm-hmm. restaurants in Detroit? Somebody yeah. said... Jeez. Well, I, I remember a few years ago when I was in college, I watched this documentary called Detropia, which was basically about how Detroit is being rebuilt by artists. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is essentially the way it is now. Like, that documentary came out about six years ago. And now... Detroit is thriving as sort of what somebody else described it to me as is like New York in the 60s and 70s where it's you know like the Greenwich Village style of like artists and writers and there's this vibrant art and 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 young people and people who are making things and entrepreneurs and all kinds of cool stuff is going on in Detroit and Detroit is being rebuilt. Like literally, uh, literally what a dollar in a dream. Yeah. That's how much it costs to 
that's, start something there. That's awesome. Great yeah. property value. Get, get some big houses for cheap. Oh, um, easy. <laughs> but I'm excited to go up there. I've never been to Detroit before. I hear very nice things. Yeah, we know some very funny people from Detroit. Yeah. <laughs> a lot. Of, like, I, I haven't met a bad comic out of Detroit here, personally. So, it, as you know, like any environment like creates the comic. And I think when someone comes out of like a tougher situation, whether it's like, you know, economic situations or even like the weather, if the weather's like horrid, then you tend to find better comedy coming out of it because people need to fucking laugh in those yeah. situations. Right. The thing about the, the, the just comedians in general is that they're broken on the inside. And then Detroit is a city that is also broken on the inside. So <laughs> it breeds outside. itself very well. And there's a nice overlap on that Venn diagram. I enjoy that. Yeah. And so when you're getting ready for all this, like I know a big, a, a big situation or a big like topic that comes up is like, how do you surrender yourself to all of that that's going on? As far as the prep goes mm -hmm. or just like the experience of going on the road? I, I would say the experience of furthering yourself in comedy overall and in your life. Aha! Oh, big, big picture. I mm -hmm. didn't even think about zooming out that he far. He snuck that first question up on you hardcore. It was I great. Know. Oh, <laughs> boy. Like a ninja. I want to... <laughs> hey, I resent that. <laughs> so, I think... Uh, you know, this past year has been... A very uh, there's been a lot of advancement in my career, and uh, it has come in ways that I did not expect. And there have been a lot of twists and turns in what has been going on uh, over the course of things. Is someone did my Siri just go off? Siri really wants to get in on this oh, conversation. Wow, that was I really think. no one was touching that phone. I know. That's I don't amazing. know what the fucking happened. Phone's haunted. So uh, yeah, the surrendering to that has been a lot of me recognizing, oh, I have no control over any of this mm -hmm. for the most part. What I have is control over my creative output, and that is basically it. I can go through and not have to worry about having uh, certain things happen to me as far as like, oh, you know, maybe I won't book this show, or maybe I won't... Uh, go get into this festival or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, I still get upset about those things sometimes. But also, I know that there are other opportunities that are coming my way and other things that have uh, I've been asked to be a part of. And uh, those are very cool things. Mm -hmm. And I've also, on a large, on, on like a, I don't know if it's a larger or smaller scale, but it's a scale nonetheless. Mm -hmm. I have been able to sort of narrow my focus a little bit more in terms of getting better at the stuff that I already was doing mm -hmm. a year ago, uh, career-wise. So, like, helping to run shows. That is the thing that now I'm like, oh, okay, this is how I act when I'm running a show generally, mm -hmm. and sometimes it's not always the best, and so maybe what are ways that I can do... Uh, what are things that I can do to keep myself from being a jerk to people when I'm running a show? Okay. Uh, the, there's a lot of now just recognizing, oh, I should be planning ahead better. Right, and trying right. to get And trying to stay not well, like five steps ahead, but just being like a, a little bit ahead of myself just so that way it's like, you know... I met, I packed a lunch for myself the night before, and now I'm like, oh, I get to eat and be not stressed out 
mentally. Yeah, you don't get blindsided by what can become a domino effect of events. Yeah. And then you forget to eat, and then your reflexes and your, your everything just changes. Yeah. And it, it's really bad. So Hung, like Hungry, with, angry, lonely, tired. Yeah. yeah don't I'm, I'm speaking. Do I'm speaking all metaphorically here. I do not make lunches for myself in no. the mornings. Or the night before, I'm just—it's a metaphorical sandwich. Oh my gosh! Oh, I like, just—I just packed my snack and my breakfast for tomorrow. Uh, I packed my like after work. Myself. I have wow. like I have like a workout. Okay, so that bag over there has my snacks on top of mm-hmm. it, and then under that is my show outfit, and then under that is my uh, workout gear, and under that is my pajamas. Dang, yeah. layered. Layered. You pack like you live in your car. <laughs> I live in my car. <laughs> I pretty nap. much only come here to podcast now and pet my cat. Hilarious. <laughs> so, but, also, with, with all that craziness going on around you, speaking of craziness, and like, uh, which leads me to think of insanity, what's been the most insane moment you've had? I would say the most insane in the... I'm going to... you know, I got to narrow it down. I'm going to go in the past year because that, I think, makes the most sense. Perfect. Um... Ah, oof. This is tricky. There's because there have been a fair amount of insane moments in the course of the past year. Um, I would. Oh God! It's, it's interesting because I've experienced a lot of them alongside you mm-hmm. and had my own experience with it, and then I've also um, we we're good friends, and like mm-hmm. you call and you tell me, you know, a lot of things that have you know that happen. And so I, I would. Say, what, what would you? What would you say has been kind of the? Biggest I got part? you know because there has been a lot of insane moments in the, over the course of the past year. Can I pick one? Well, I mean, Alex <laughs> is also very. <laughs> Alex is very tuned into what's going on. Yeah. Um, go for it. If you have one that you Ooh, think is probably the best one, turned into some Denny's hot yeah, seat shit. Through, uh, through knowing you and like hanging out a lot of late nights at at Norms and just talking to you uh, quite regularly, I would. I would say uh, your relationship, your your previous relationship that you had. Oh well, I wouldn't pick that as the most insane moment. No? Actually, no, that's been. I mean, look, my own dating life and my and my relationship uh, growth as far as like the way I approach dating mm-hmm. has definitely changed. Mm-hmm. I would not say that that was the most insane that ah, I've been. Okay, okay. It is a big driver of my insanity. Because I did not know how to interact, I didn't. I I didn't realize the kinds of uh, a the really understand the kinds of women that I was dating before, right? And understand the things that I would allow to happen in relationships instead mm-hmm. of and and this is I know this is going to tie into later on when we're talking about defects, mm-hmm. uh, the things that I was defecting and allowing to happen because uh, one of my big defects is being a doormat. Mm. So I would not speak my own feelings on situations in relationships, uh, and that, that could that could lead to some some craziness. Was that more doormat behavior or people pleasing? I mean, I think that they go hand in hand, mm. um, because people pleasing is just a different connotation, right? Yeah. Like being a doormat implies, in a sense, some victimization, whereas people pleasing implies manipulation there's a little bit of both mm-hmm. i mean i say like i said i think for me they go hand in hand yeah i think those when i when i got my list of defects uh when i worked the 12 steps those were one and two they went right yeah. back and forth right next to each other uh and i think that that is an accurate representation of the way that they play out in my daily life because there Still. was there was a moment i remember 
uh, I'm about to out myself because there's a thing I say when I'm kind of when I when I love somebody, but I don't want to tell them what to do. So I just start saying things like, how long are you going to do this for? Mm. <laughs> this seems to be a pattern. <laughs> With those I, high inflections. I remember saying, yeah, how long do you want to do this for? Like, like I remember saying that um, a, co- a few times in that sort of in that realm of your life, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> yep, you said that a couple times. <laughs> uh, you know, and as much as, as I engaged in like weird behavior during my dating life mm-hmm. over the course of the past year i will say i think the most ins- i think the career stuff does make me the most insane on a day to day basis because this is something i really have uncovered over the course of the past year i care a lot about my my reputation and the way other people perceive me like a lot more than i wanted to give myself credit for i think a while mm-hmm. ago right which um, is the thing we have no control over exactly mm-hmm. and that's yeah. a thing that i've had to talk a lot with my sponsor about this is something that has come up when when i do uh tent step calls it frequently comes up the 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 root fear is not being respected mm. and not or not or not being liked or some you know some combination of those things and i remember at one point after probably like I don't know, I guess like five or six 10 step calls that related to this thing. My sponsor was like, well, you know, before we hop off the phone, I just want to let you know, this is like, this seems to be a pattern that like keeps coming up. So maybe you should maybe do an inventory on that specifically and why that nice. bugs you and why you are so worried about this thing mm-hmm. and why you're so worried about the opinion of others. And I was like, oh man, I didn't even realize how much this was ruling my thoughts. And, uh, so I did, and that has helped out a lot. The the inventory specifically of like one fear and and going in depth with that really helped mitigate that. And I still have those fears. Those are still on the day to day basis. That is still probably the biggest fear that I deal with. But it's also something that I know I, I have no control over, and I have yeah. to uh, just got to roll with the punches on that. Yeah, and I feel like when you get so obsessed with image and you know just perfection because I, I suffer from that too where i'm like things need to be a certain way i will reject certain things i will accept only certain things of a certain caliber and that's how you miss the great moments that's how you miss the jewels along the way and when i started just being more open to a lot more opportunities and just like just for example like just doing a shit show in the middle of nowhere driving out two hours to fucking victorville and doing a show for less than the gas that it took to get there I, I come back with three, four tags on the on the way, and then you're just like, okay, here is something you could present to the bigger audience. If my, if I wasn't driven to that area in my mind, or like observe those certain things, I wouldn't have gotten that, and that can lead to so much more. When you start worrying about image and perception, uh, within reason, of course, you don't want to go out just. And that's why we're here, right? Because we had our moment where we really possibly ruined our entire career and our lives. And so, or a like string of moments where that happened. Absolutely, absolutely. So, but is there is there one? I I always have to remind myself that there can't just be one opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There. Oh yeah, yeah. That was it, Ken Gar brought that up. Mm-hmm. Um, like it, there can't just be one opportunity. Mm-hmm. There has to be multiple. There not multiple, but I think there's more grace in the world than we give our careers credit for. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. I agree on that. Cause stuff here's the career opportunities. 
once you hit a certain point, especially in in this business, where as much as we don't want to think it is like there's a there's a, I think there's a lot of cynicism in comedy just kind of, yeah. kind of built in, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of people who are like, oh, it's not about talent necessarily. It's not a merit based system, but there is a degree of it being a merit based system too. Yeah. And if you get to a certain level where people are recognizing, oh, you are improving as a comedian. Oh, right. you are doing these things, and people are starting to book you on these shows. Yeah. Then your clout is raised as a performer. And then you start getting more opportunities solely because of that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of that, like, how do you personally make decisions, Jay? I make decisions. It depends. Are we talking strictly career here? Are we talking everyday life? I mean, I can go into a whole, I can go go with everyday life. We can branch down into many different (laughs) paths here. Like a big one, like a big decision. If I'm trying to make a big decision, I usually, I mean, I usually will talk it out with a couple of people. Mm -hmm. Um, Sponsor gets a call, usually a couple other uh, close friends, sober or otherwise, get calls. Um, and at the end of the day, I weigh the, I weigh the option myself. And because uh, and, and, ultimately it is my decision. And I can take the advice of others and use that to my best to, uh, judgment. Mm-hmm. If it's a really, I don't find myself preying on big decisions a lot, which is something that I do every I, every once in a while, and I I do if I really feel very conflicted about what to do about something. But that is rare. Usually through talking it out with other people, I can kind of come to the conclusion, right? That seems the most obvious. A lot of Occam's Razor. You guys familiar with Occam's Razor? Can't say. Yes, but refresh the audience. Sure thing. Occam's Razor is basically the principle um, that the the simplest answer is generally the correct answer. Yeah. So if something appears to be, this is probably the most obvious thing, then it's probably the right thing to do. Because it doesn't mean taking a shortcut either. That's the thing. Because shortcuts also require you to be looking around and being like okay how can i how can i skirt Ooh, some things on this here and shortcuts can take but shortcuts can take a lot more effort to find than you really need to put in oh yeah so in your just and doing your, the thing in front of you oftentimes is uh, easier than trying to manipulate around the thing yeah. in front of you. Oh, yeah. there's so much manipulation it takes to get to a shortcut. Yeah. That's our insanity know. working right there. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see you there, but you know what would be more fun? <laughs> right. I know there's this nice paved road that looks a little difficult to go on, but what would happen if I went to the woods? Mm-hmm. What would happen if I went where there might be wildlife yeah. ready to attack me? Yeah, that's, yeah, it's like measuring twice and cutting once versus cutting once and you know remeasuring <laughs> over and oh fuck oh, I yeah. gotta do this. So like in the past year, Jay, what's the most surprising thing you've learned about yourself in your second year of sobriety? Well, the the fear of not being respected was a big thing to learn. That was a, a definite thing that helped uh, color the way I interact with the world a lot more than I had uh, w- with other lessons in my sobriety um finding oh boy i mean that's the big to me that is the biggest thing because i think that that really changed the way that i interact with other people because i on stage started true uh, to try and not really worry about the audience's opinion as much 
Ooh, which is which is again this is uh and now it brings up to a new level where it's like okay well now i have to figure out a new way of connecting with the audience because that is something i've been struggling with lately as a performer is is just outright connecting with the crowd and that is something that i think is very important and i hit a, a sort of a wall uh in the past i would say probably the past like couple of weeks to a month Mm-hmm. Where there's been an issue between me and connecting with the crowd as much as I would like to, because I have in my in my head of material, I have stuff that I know works as a way to endear me to the crowd, right? Mm-hmm. And I have jokes that I know will work, but I also don't want to have to rely on those all the time, mm-hmm. right? I think that that gets stale for me, and right. I don't yeah. want my performances to seem stale. It confines you, right? And so that was one of the most surprising things is that. It is a. It can be a big struggle for me to connect with the crowd when I have to step outside of do, doing the stuff that I know works. Mm-hmm. And you pull the net. Yeah, and I'm trying. Yeah, I'm trying to pull the net, and it's it's very scary. Sometimes I get yeah. a lot more. I get more nervous on stage sometimes than I thought I would, and I don't think. And that's it's not out of a. Uh, it's not out of fear of the audience not liking me because at this point I'm like, all right, if you guys didn't like me, there's always another audience. There's always another crowd. There's always another show. It's not going to be the end of the world for me. But that doesn't mean I still don't want them to like me too. And if I don't connect with them, it's like, ah, oh, man, well, I guess I got to keep going with this anyway. I remember there was a certain, there was a show I did in New York a couple months back and I went up, I think second on the show. Mm-hmm. And the host had done great, and the first comic on the lineup had done great. And I went up, and I started off doing pretty well. And then about, it's a 12-minute set, and about five minutes in, the audience had already been a very tricky audience for, for me because I would have them for a little bit, and then they would all of a sudden drop off. Like, they would laugh and then immediately be like, all right, what's next? Jesus. Right. Yeah. And the old man, you guys quit laughing quickly. Yeah. What's going on? So <laughs> then that you're funny again. <laughs> exactly. They just might not have the attention span for a longer like body of a joke, you know what I mean? Or like a subject mm-hmm. is too hard for them to sit on oh, for too long. Yeah. Well, then I start trying to do crowd work to connect with some people because this is a performing in a very small room. If you guys uh, uh, if you guys are ever out at the standing room in New York, mm-hmm. this is where this happened. Very small, narrow room, but long, mm-hmm. and so oh, it's it's a it's a, a it's an odd space to do a set in. A freaking right. shotgun because you're on stage, and then there are people on either sides of you. So you kind of have to do this oscillating fan thing to connect <laughs> to stay like engage with everybody. Oh, so you're in the middle, looking like both long way, right? Oh, okay. But there's wow. also people who are sitting about the distance that I am maybe at this back wall of, of Anna's room. I know a visual medium podcasting. Two feet. Uh, two feet. It's a yeah. tiny room. It's a very it tiny is, room. It's the smallest room. And there may, be, there may be two feet away from you sitting mm-hmm. down in front of you, the people who are sitting in the okay. front row of the show, as it were. So I started trying to talk to those people to be like, maybe I got to change it up. Maybe I have to do something that can lead into something else material-wise and, and connect with these people a little bit more. And that didn't work. And then I was like, well, I'm going to try oh, try something. I'm going to try a bit that is a bit that I really enjoy doing and maybe my own enjoyment will help carry through and will shine off. And it's a bit that is about uh guns and gun control 
which I already know is a dicey subject to begin with, but I really enjoy it. It's a good bit, and it tends to work more than it doesn't. Yeah. Should I relate with it? I'm from Texas. Yeah. And I did the bit, and it uh, it didn't go over at all. Uh, I got (laughs) the first couple of lines were doing fine. (laughs) I love it. First couple of lines went fine, but most of it was bomb city, and to the point where... There was less and less people laughing as the show as the bit went on, to the point where I complete I completely had lost the crowd, and I oh. asked the one like there was one person who was on my side almost the entire bit, <laughs> and I was and he didn't laugh at one part, and I was like, hey, or, did you <laughs> you still with me? <laughs> and then he was sitting with I assume a wife or a girlfriend. And she said, until you said that last line about Jesus. the cops. And I was like, all right. Well, there's still two more lines in this bit. So here we go. And I said those last two lines. And they didn't land at all, of course, because I'd already completely lost everybody. And I said, uh, I don't think I've ever made a room this quiet before. And then <laughs> one guy just started like pounding the table at that. And I did the, the last joke to him because he was the only person who I think wanted to even <laughs> laugh. I, I don't think it was, it was definitely oh, not a laughing with me. And I was like, I have to, I have to sap <laughs> this man's energy. So I already know that I'm going to feel terrible after the set because, but then I got off stage and I was like, ah, and I was, and I didn't have time to really like marinate in it that much because I had to go do another set oh, right after that and then had another set after that second set. How did those other two sets go? They went a lot better. Okay. Yeah. And good, I did the good. same jokes. I did the gun joke at the second show and it went fine. It went a lot it definitely it went it went the way it usually goes, which is pretty good. Yeah. Uh and then the third set, I just didn't even touch it because I was like, well, I, I don't know what's going to happen in this room. I'm just going to do a different chunk of material that I really enjoy doing. But those sets went way better. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's not about... At the end of the day, I don't think it's about... Like, okay, sometimes I'm just not the cup of tea for what this crowd needs. I don't, I'm not going to blame the crowd. That's a thing where I got to like blame myself for not being able to give them something that they were looking for at the very least. It goes back to connection. To kind of like read yeah. what they were yeah. interested in. And yeah. it's not, and because that's the thing too. Like I've heard, I've, I've heard advice from comics of varying stripes who have been doing it actively for, you know, a lot longer than me and all of very different styles. And some of them will say, oh, yeah, you got to f- go full bore into a joke no matter what. And don't worry about the audience's reaction. Or sometimes crowds are they're also like, hey, you got to be able to read the crowd and read the room and determine kind of what they're looking for a little bit. You got to you got to find your way through these people. So I don't know. It's kind of a weird approach, but it's one of these things where also I have to accept, oh, there's a lot of things here that are really truly out of my control because i'll do sometimes sometimes i'll do a set and a bit will will kill and sometimes i'll do a, a set and that same bit will bomb harder than it ever has nice in my entire life yeah yeah that and i have no control over that yeah that and so if i get caught up in worrying about people's reaction to something if it's something that i have tested out and i know works if it doesn't work 
like one time out of ten times, or two times out of ten times, I mean that's still a really really good score, and it's mm-hmm. something that I it's just you know it's occupational hazards. And the big picture, sometimes you'll have a joke that bombed from like five to ten, like. Not five to ten, like I've been doing comedy that long, like several like years ago, and then you you bring uh, you revive a certain bit, and then it just it works, and you're yeah. like, holy shit, what the hell? Like that that it, it blows me away. Like they, when I see that, I will see certain comics, or even like when it comes to even like certain sets that I have, you bring out certain sets that work, and you're like, oh, that that you 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 feel it yeah. within the audience. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm making any sense here. I just tried to remember, like, before I started uh, doing stand-up, in 2005, I saw George Carlin, uh, I'm not going to say entirely bomb, but have a very rough set at a 12-step convention for 40 minutes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I watched the whole, like, convention center walk itself out. And then I grabbed my purse and I ran down front because I wow. was like, when am I ever going to see one of my favorite comedians again? And I really enjoyed the set. And you know, I got to be that weird anchor in the audience. That one person is just like laughing wildly while the rest of the room feels uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But I got to see that. And then right before I started doing stand up, I was at one of those Pete Holmes and Friends shows at the Largo. Mm-hmm. And I watched Bill Burr eat shit. Hilarious. For... 15 of his 20 minutes set man (laughs) just eat two crickets because he was coming in there with a very different energy than the largo usually has i was like well this is gonna be really interesting Mm -hmm. yeah and it wasn't a good set it was it was it was an aggressively bad set (laughs) and i i enjoyed the material but the rest of the room was just like nothing they gave him nothing it's so it truly is one of those things that we have basically no control over yeah. and as much as we Powerless try and, over the audience as much as we try and yeah. think we have control over the audience because it the the illusion is we do mm-hmm. but we really don't we uh, again this is a, it's another situation we have control over our creative output and sometimes right. it is just it's, it's bad yeah <laughs> and sometimes it's not where it needs to be to get the audience to uh to enjoy it yeah so Jay, on a scale to like one to ten, how honest are you with yourself and others? I mean, I, on a scale of one to ten, I would say for the most part, like an eight or a nine. There are times when somebody has to jog me a little bit and say, "Hey, are you sure? You sure about that one? <laughs> <laughs> you sure you want to do that?" Because <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like the comfortable thing to do is sit in the dishonesty sometimes. And not address because it can be uncomfortable to be honest, and that is a thing that it has gotten a lot easier to be over the course of the past two years. Um, I think the re- the way I approach honesty and and trying to get myself, or rather, not trying to get myself in situations where dishonesty is easy to attain, has really changed because now I have. Uh, this thing that it, I'm sure you guys are familiar with called the guilt about uh, situations where I am in any way dishonest. Yeah. And I have no block for that guilt now because yeah. there's no, there's nothing there yeah. that's going to keep me from, from feeling that and from letting that 
fester and turn into a resentment or multiple resentments. So at the end of the day, honesty is really the best policy. And that's so, oh, that's so like poster in your guidance counselor's <laughs> office. Well, but, but it is what it is. Yeah, you, know? you gotta, I mean, being honest, being honest with ourselves and our higher power is just so, that's why we have people in our lives to keep us honest. Yeah. That's why I have a co-host to make sure that I get the podcast done. Mm-hmm. Hey. <laughs> You know, accountability. Yeah, accountability. Yeah, accountability and honesty. There's a real big relationship to that. Mm-hmm. I think, and just in 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 my life, a lot more now. Because, and you know, I didn't even think about it until you guys elo- uh, eloquently put it that way. Yeah. Is that honesty and accountability do do really tie in hand in hand? Can I blow your mind with another one, please? So my um uh well. <laughs> That's a big statement. I have no idea how this is going to be received. I'm on the edge of my seat, Um, baby. My my level of honesty is uh, directly proportionate to my level of spiritual freedom. So my level of personal, um, external, and sort of God honesty, those three things are directly proportionate to my level of spiritual freedom. Mm -hmm. And what I've discovered is that my level of spiritual freedom is directly proportionate to my ability to create things of worth in my comedy too. Yeah. So like if all of those things aren't in check, like if I'm if one of the little the little chains from the from the bicycle chain, if one of the little things are off the the tooth and I'm just sort of pedaling in this like kind of crazy way. I'm moving, but I'm not moving in a in an efficient way. There's usually something off, and I can follow the 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 chain back. Yeah, to where it skipped off. The way I I analogize it is basically just oh, I can go back and can and see mm-hmm. which dot is connected to this feeling, and go oh well that's see here's where this came from, and maybe this is where it branched out, and how can this uh go to a different branch or how can i uh if necessary make an amends so that way the the broken branch can be mended yeah um surrender get honest make an amends if necessary exactly and so and the thing now is and this is something i recognize that i said last time too uh, is that I am I try really hard to be honest with myself and others, and uh, there are occasional failings. And that in the course of the past year, that looks different than it did back then too, in a very different way. In that fun, yeah. how, how what your it looks like just was like, oh, you made some changes. I can change too, bitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got a six pack now. <laughs> fuck you all up. What that looks like for me now is and and. Uh, and this is something that you have mentioned to me many times before, Anna, is that it's a lot about communicating with other people and being comfortable communicating with other people in a way that I was not doing before I got sober. And uh, today, what that looks like for me is if I find myself with a resentment against somebody else, then I know that I have to take steps to quash that resentment and accept it for what it is. And then be, and that way I can move on from it. So that involves a lot of like prayer through gritted teeth sometimes. And, and talking to other people who I know are going to be 
honest with me and say that's what did you realize how stupid that is right that you're feeling like that that it is that it is so silly for you to try and exact control over this situation with this other person and you have no you have no power there so why are you trying to take this power Mm -hmm. and then sometimes what that looks like for me too is uh not just direct communication with the other person but also there are times when I need to pull back and 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 avoid putting myself in situations where I do feel like I would I would be a dick and do feel like I would be I, I have nothing to do this is the classic if you can't say anything nice don't say anything at all mm-hmm. and not put myself in situations where I feel like I would not want to be nice to that person mm-hmm. cuz I think that there's a degree of honesty that that you have to be that you have to have with yourself in order to recognize hey i don't want to do something that's going to wreck a friendship so maybe i should just i should just put up a boundary for a little bit Mm -hmm. and that boundary will come down and it won't feel weird but if i'm coming from a situation where like i'm coming in hot and i feel weird about a friendship or i feel weird about like something that has happened in the comedy scene and I am going to do something that could damage that further, I would rather just take the spiritual path of not confronting it to the point where it's like, I am I could be putting something in harm's way. Hmm. I don't want to harm somebody else just so I can feel good about like oh i handled that 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 is different and now i'm like yeah i feel good i maybe made somebody else feel bad in the process keeping your side of the street clean yeah and sometimes keeping my side of the street clean means i quietly put away my garbage cans (laughs) (laughs) and and not rattle my cans at other people i'm like look i'm putting these away <laughs> that's the most Everybody that's the that, most uh, you description i'm <laughs> rattling my cans yeah get off my lawn it reminds me of that louis ck episode where he's sleeping all those trash men like just jump into his room and like start rattling all their cans and yeah. like hey we're taking out trash oh jay so how do you experience and deal with anxiety i experience anxiety in uh, a, in basically the same sorts of environments that I did about a year ago, the anxiety for me comes a lot, uh, pretty much exclusively career driven stuff, um, because that is the thing that it is my primary uh, goal these days. Is like career comes basically at number one, and then uh, secondary to that, there are certain. Uh, the ways I approach relationships, both from like a personal and a sexual standpoint, that uh, have anxiety kind of built in, and those I approach differently than I did last year too. Uh, with shows, with with comedy things, I I experience the anxiety of like I feel sometimes I get again I sometimes feel afraid before I go on stage. I feel the anticipation. I feel the nerves building up. And something that somebody else told me a while ago uh, about their own approach, um, which is, hey, I'm about to do something of service to this crowd. 
mm-hmm. and try and and try and give them a good experience. Having that in my head is a really nice thing for me to to think about before I go on stage. Yeah. Uh, same go- goes for running a room. Hey, I'm helping a to give people stage time and to help engineer that this show is going to go as smoothly as it can go and sometimes there are hiccups uh and those are out of my control but at the very least i can try and set a a a structure up that if there are that if there are uh What's the word? If like a battering ram comes to the wall, at least it'll still, it might get knocked up back a little bit and there might be cracks that show up, but for the most part, it's going to stay standing. Uh, that comes up in roast battle a lot. This week I fucked up and I, and I accidentally booked nine battles for the show. <laughs> totally, totally on me. How did me. that go? I mean, it went a lot better than I thought it was going to. I thought it was going to be a total disaster, but... The first thing I did as soon as I realized that I had that I had fucked up and done this was I told Moses and I was like, hey, so I goofed and there are nine battles this week and I'm sorry and I'm going to try and hey, first of all, I'm definitely going to cut some of these stand ups that we don't need, namely me and Frank and people who are getting up on the show regularly anyway, who won't we don't need the spot. Mm-hmm. If we're going to try and make the show run smoothly, and then also it's like, all right, we're gonna tell, we're gonna try and get everything set up so we can start early. Uh, we're gonna make sure everything's in the right place at the right time before we start. So we're again a lot of preparing in advance to make sure that something can run as smoothly as possible. That helps quell a lot of my anxiety around work. And it sounds like you remove your ego a lot from a lot of that, so that's refreshing to hear too. Yeah, and I have cuz I mean, I have to remove my ego from it. I have to approach running a situation like running a show or I have to approach being on stage not from a standpoint of this is all about me and that way it does not if something goes awry, then I'm not dwelling on it and thinking about how it reflects on me. Mm-hmm. as well because that's again that ties back into the whole reputation respect thing mm-hmm. if i'm doing stuff to to set myself out of hey what if something goes catastrophically wrong and people hate me for that if i don't go into a situation fearing that then it's you know i'm putting myself in a place where that probably won't happen and it hasn't happened yet mm-hmm. and if i cop to doing something wrong then I also don't have to worry about that too because then I cop to it and yeah. I can do what I can to try and make that situation right. Was that harder before? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was way harder before because the ego was a lot more involved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult to uh, to break through that ego. It's a wild animal. The ego's a motherfucker, man. But, yeah. and that plays into relationships too, I think. Friendship and otherwise. Um, I got into... A sort of fight with my girlfriend a couple weeks ago, and we had, uh, there was a part where we had basically, like, we had finished the fight, and it had gotten resolved, and then I did something that was very, very manipulative, 
What did you do? Uh, yeah. I'm trying to remember because I said something. I'm trying to remember what exactly what I said. Um, basically, it was just like like overly playing the victim, mm. which is something that I do. Uh, another defect of mine is is self victimization uh, to the to the point of to be manipulative. And I did. I said something, and I can't. I wish I could remember exactly what it was, but it was something directly designed to make her feel bad mm. when I was the person who had basically been wrong in the situation to begin with. And so it was me sort of casting, trying to cast another sort of blame or negative feelings and put them on her so that way I felt like I had some sort of status or like some moral high ground or whatever. Did you scream out, feminism? <laughs> Slam the door? <laughs> He's just thinking that of is, things that white guys would do. I was just going to say, I actually, speaking of Rosebud, I have seen feminism brought up in that context where uh, it's like, well, you guys want feminism. Yeah. It's like, oh, fuck off. But so I immediately like, and I said, and it wasn't, I didn't scream feminism and walk out of the room, but I was starting Hilarious. to walk, I was starting to walk out of the room and then I turned, I stopped and I was like, in my head, I was like, I was just super manipulative. And then I turned, and I was like, hey, I'm really sorry. I just tried to manipulate you. And that wasn't cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. So That's I'm really gonna good. I'm gonna not do that, or try to not do that. But that is exactly what just happened. You know that old Marin joke where he would be like, uh, "You can tell uh, my recovery because now when I go fuck you, then I go I'm sorry immediately." Yeah. <laughs> it's the yeah. same thing. It's yeah. It's that the the time lapse between like fucking doing something in your defects. Yeah, and then and that requires a level of being honest with myself that I mm-hmm. was uh, that I did not know i had the depth for back a year ago yeah Mm -hmm. because that's uh if you want to have that excuse me if you want to have that quick reaction time to when you do something that is flawed or when you do something that you are at fault for to be able to go hey oh oh no i did this thing i i must own up to this and i must own this situation that i have created i must own i must own this uh flaming bag of shit that i have left on your front doorstep let me let me pour water on this so you don't have to step on it and get uh emotional shit all over your nice shoes uh, I guess we can call that moment the disgrace period. Yeah, but that the, that time frame has gone a lot down. Good. because it has to. Because if I if I don't react quickly, and I don't say, "Oh, hey, I fucked up. What can I do to fix this?" Right. It won't happen again, etc. Et mm-hmm. That brings me to my next question: uh, What defects of character have you worked on the most? Well, the manipulation is one that has come up. A little bit more in uh, in this past year because I went through a relationship and then a breakup and then being single and then and uh, and now another relationship and a bunch of big career stuff mm-hmm. and a bunch of like right. But the yeah. manipulation I don't think played out so much in the career stuff mm. because there's a lot of that that I already had 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 to accept was out of my control. Mm-hmm. But the relationship stuff I did very much try to manipulate to get to be my way. I there was a lot of trying to put myself in situations where I could have my cake and eat it too. Can I can I bring something up and I can yeah. check the time if you want me to cut it out I will. But there was a moment where you were uh, there was a you were in a relationship that was ending 
and um, a homegirl was like, she attempted to break up with you and you didn't let it happen. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about it. We were talking about it. You held it hostage. And That's you were hilarious. like, you were like, yeah. you were like, no, you don't understand. I can make this work. <laughs> we oh, are good great. together. And I was like, but she doesn't want to be in the relationship <laughs> with you. And you were like, no, she yeah. just thinks that. Yeah. And I was like, whoa. I was like, all right, well, yeah. I love you. I got to go. Like That's where the manipulation plays out yeah. more is in interpersonal relationships. Is uh, that like a fear of specifically abandonment? Relationships. Yeah, I think fear of abandonment <laughs> plays into that a lot. And fear of... Uh, ab- yeah, abandonment is probably the chief thing there, Pro- and and I'm certain a fear of uh fear of being alone plays into that too. But that also played in on the flip side too. When I was single, when I would be aggressively pursuing like multiple girls at once, mm-hmm. and that was a detriment to my career goals because then I'm sacrificing again something that I would prime and say this is the most important thing to me. Mm-hmm. I would be directly sacrificing that right. in order to just try and find it's, some companionship or some solace. It is so time consuming. Mm-hmm. It's so time consuming and it's so stressful. It's so oh, stressful. I don't need to put myself through that. Mm-hmm. And that's a thing that I had to, to learn and accept to get into this relationship that I'm in now where it does not feel stressful because from the from the front, I was also very honest and and address some of the problems that had cropped up in my last relationship of on of my own doing of not communicating effectively hey this is how much time that this requires yeah. this is how much time that i am going to need to do my thing and this is the schedule that i operate on mm-hmm. and if you can't jive with that then this is not going to work and honesty yeah and Luckily, I have found a, uh, a a lady who does understand that, and also, well, it helps because she has the flip side of having uh, alcoholism and addiction in her family. So this is something that she had already uh, she already understands how to interact with. Oh, does she have people in the program in her life? Yes. Oh, go for her. Yeah. So she already mm-hmm. understands how to interact with people. In the program, mm-hmm. she's got very close friends and family members who who are program aficionados. Oh. Multiple years of sobriety, wow. nice. They they get it, and so that was a really nice thing too. And that was also like a very strange thing when we first started dating. Like I think on our first date, all the alcoholism stuff came up, and she was like, "This is I've never dated an alcoholic uh, who has been sober before." Yeah, because she's going to be attracted to them mm-hmm. naturally. Yeah, and this apparently, yeah, <laughs> no, it's just true. It's just true. Trying to ball out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that defect has been something that I have to to really focus on and catch myself with. Um, the other one is, uh, I would say, neglect, just because it really is difficult for me. Because a lot of the neglect that I engage in now is not intentional neglect. And that does not make it right to, that does not make it for something that I can like avoid doing. Uh, because it, neglect like, is something that I had to make amends for. As far as like. Like uh, personal relationship, familial. professional. Oh. Yeah, familial and person, familial and professional, but more familial than anything mm. else. Because like, 
the manip- the relationship stuff caused me to neglect my career for sure and that was a more active choice but it made me unhappy deeply unhappy to the yeah. point where i was like i have to do something about this right but familial neglect is something that plays out very much very 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 much on a below the surface unintentional level that i have to be more conscious of oh yeah and it's it, this is uh this will manifest itself in weird ways uh when i'm trying to avoid being neglectful today i was getting ready i had to meet up with a, a friend for lunch and i was getting ready and i was like i haven't talked to my parents in a minute i should give them a call and see how they're doing before i go out this weekend and i know i probably won't be able to talk to them so I'll, i should call them today and then as i get to sweet green to go meet up with my buddy uh, I get a phone call from my dad. Oh wow! And I was like, "Hey, can I? I was can I call you back in an hour?" And I don't need to tell them. Oh, I was planning on calling you guys already because that makes me that that's like I don't even. I just like, huh? Yeah. Everybody knew, sort of. Yeah. We a all knew disturbi- it was time. A disturbance in the force. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. been a there's been a a, a little uh, the, the, what is it the seismograph of the universe. Mm. <laughs> there's been a little there's been a little movement. How do you experience forgiveness? So I experience forgiveness in a sense that if I feel like something is up uh, that needs to be addressed, I can calmly address that thing that I've that I feel has been uh, fucking with me on the inside as far as receiving forgiveness. Forgiving others uh, depends on the situation. There's a lot of... And this is something that I kind of covered earlier. There's sometimes where it's like I have to pull back and figure out what's wrong on my end to keep my side of the street clean and engage in a spiritual practice that will help me be able to forgive but sometimes it's also a direct just asking for it too mm-hmm. like with the with the with the fight thing the manipulation thing i knew that if i wanted to be above board in this relationship that i had to say hey i did this thing and i'm sorry mm-hmm. and i i need you to know that this this is where i'm coming from um I had a uh, a lot of forgiveness is letting go. I think too, and letting go is hard for me sometimes. Letting go is a is because that's a, a also uncomfortable to let in, go of a situation. In yeah. terms of forgiving others or yes. asking for forgiveness. In terms of forgiving others, because gr- grudges are so much fun to hold on to. Yeah, it's so it's like a hobby almost. Yeah, well, especially because <laughs> one of my other defects too is verbal and character assassination. Uh, <laughs> get surprised, no? right? Get out of town. I, 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 think, I think we met each other on that level at, at a few points yeah. where it was just God. It's just uh, good, a good gossip. It's so a, it's a good time. Yeah, but that, and that's the thing because it is fun. God, but it's, it's also fun. like God. I can't. It's toxic as fuck. It yeah, is, and it, bre- and it breeds toxic things. And there's a difference between like airing a grievance, right, and. And just <laughs> gossiping the hell out of yeah. somebody's mm-hmm. other life. Um, so for me, <laughs> anyway, so back to, to forgiveness. 
in order for me to not engage in that particular defect, whether it is behind someone's back or to somebody's face, what I have to do is let go. And I did not really fully, I don't think, I don't know if I will ever fully understand the concept of letting go, but I can get better at it. And this is a thing that occurred to me a little while ago. Uh, a big part of my spiritual practice is going into sensory deprivation tanks. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah, you've really taken that. Uh... I love those. Uh, <laughs> I try and go to them once a month. Um, I've been going consistently since the beginning of this year. Uh, I had to skip a little bit of time when I got my tattoo a couple months ago because you're not supposed to go underwater when you have a tattoo. You're not supposed to soak in things. Mm-hmm. And it's all, it's very salty, and I don't want to wreck the nice colors and the yeah. nice design. Um, so when I, I went again for... Uh, uh, it was, a, was it a week ago? I have no sense of time anymore either. All of my all, Everything all blends together. It's a social construct. We're, <laughs> we're all so profoundly busy that yeah. I don't know. I don't, I, I'm like, I'm always like, what day is it? Where are we? Yeah, like, <laughs> uh, me too. Me yeah. too all the time. And so anyway, so I went to the Float Lab. Uh, shout out to Float Lab in Westwood. Sponsor uh, us. Fantastic. Oh, you guys are great. <laughs> shout, out, shout, shout out to the Float Lab. So I, uh, but I went in there and... I remember I was sitting there and there had been some stuff that had been on my mind because uh, I had just turned – this was last week because I remember it was the day after my uh, my anniversary, sobriety anniversary. And so there had been some things on my mind as far as like, hey, what uh, what's going to be next? Because I had just turned 27 uh, and I would also just had my five-year anniversary in Los Angeles and two years – of uh, sobriety and uh, uh, coming up on next month, seven years of doing stand up regularly. So I was like, okay, let's take this time because I'm going to be in a a situation where I am in the dark with earplugs in and I can't feel myself for two hours. Let's map some things. Wow. And maybe think about some situations that are like, What's bugging me now? What could bug me down the line? How do I want things to look a year from now? What are some maybe some ways that I can do things now that will let me live like that down the line? Priming yourself. Right. But a lot of that priming comes with me sort of doing an an inventory of how my relationships with other people are now. And Hmm. there were some... uh, resentment that had gotten in the way of my ability to be the kind of either friend or colleague that I wanted to be. And what I had to do in that moment was just realize and accept I can't, you know, what's the point of holding on to this? And what's the point of at, there's a certain point where it's like, do you gotta you gotta keep acting weird though? You know, it's like, do I gotta keep putting out the vibe? Do I gotta keep doing that? This is how I am now. Um, there's been a lot of things this year where in if, of situations this year where I have done things that I knew to me were offering an olive branch, and it did not necessarily matter 
whether the other person perceived it as that or not, but I needed to know that that was what I was doing mm-hmm. and allowing myself to let go and forgive that person wow. of a perceived slight or an actual slight more often than not perceived. But that's just something I, I had to, to accept that I am, I, I am in need of doing from time to time. Mm-hmm. Well, that brings me to my next question. What's been your most surprising amends and apology? That manipulation thing. Yeah. That was a real okay. quick, because I think that's the thing that surprised me about it was how quick it cropped up. And it was also the first amends I've had to make to her. Wow. Uh, Congratulations. And I did not want to do it. As soon as it popped up, it was like, ah, ah you were manipulative. Son of a bitch. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, <laughs> boy. There you go. Mm-hmm. Oh, disease. <laughs> so that was, I would say, the most surprising one uh, in terms of it. In terms of it, surprised me the most. It's a reflex now. Yeah, That's great. Beyond that, there has been. I mean, I've been really fortunate in that I haven't had. Uh, I've been really trying to keep a good practice up in the way I work my program to where I don't have to make amends to people. Oh. as often as I as I was doing a year ago. That's great. And I've been able to achieve that, which is really nice. But there's all, you know, I fuck up. Yeah. I don't work a perfect program. Yeah. And sometimes the perfect program comes out in the way I treat others. And I, I got to make amends for that. Yeah. I remember, I tell this to a lot of people, but I remember saying to you a couple of times, like, when you get perfect, let me know. Because I'd sure <laughs> like to know how that works. Because yeah. I haven't... I haven't figured it out at yeah. all. I mean, today I haven't worked a perfect program by any means. I didn't do, I didn't have a morning where I set myself up to do any of the the spiritual alignmenty things that I usually like to do in the morning. Oh no! And I mean, it's been it made the day a little bit more hectic. But also, I had opportunities to be spiritual today. This is I feel is a very good opportunity yeah. to to connect on a spiritual mm-hmm. level. And I started working. Uh, I I this week i just started working with a new sponsee so oh, nice. that has oh, also been like really today cool. today i gave the first step instructions hey. and so that was a really nice moment for me to be like hey let's <laughs> let's calm let's yourselves down do this and let's yeah. be let's prioritize let's do the a little thing. bit yeah can i offer you something on the eight step yeah have sure. you read a sermon on the mount yeah, yeah 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 you read the whole thing uh i mean it's been a few years but I, you know, okay. you're talking to a boy who's died died in the wool Christian for so I know, years. I know. My, I love the Sermon on the Mount. My sponsor, um, a couple years ago, because it, it came up like in my second round through the steps that like forgiveness, getting through things was still really difficult for me mm-hmm. because it was like I I just how do you let go? How do you how do you get through? Like what is that? When people say just let it go, like what is that concept? Yeah. Because I I couldn't. It was so foreign to me. And she had me do there's. Uh, a prayer about forgiveness and servant on the mount, but she scrubbed out all the super Christian-y language. Uh-huh. We'll read it. Okay. Uh, I fully and freely forgive blank. Uh, I will let them go now. I completely forgive the whole thing. As far as I am concerned, it is finished forever. Uh, I give the burden of the resentment to the care of my higher power. Blank is now free and I am free too. I wish them well in every phase of their life. The incident is over. A higher power has set us both free, free, and I am grateful. 
And then she followed it up with, um, I freely forgive everyone. That's that. And which became like my, my like daily practice. But I did that with every, I pulled out all the four steps I had worked, <laughs> which was more than two. Uh, Cause I had, uh, I had worked one through six a couple of times um, with moving and sponsorship changes. And so I pulled them all out and I took every person I had ever written down as a resentment. And then all of the people I had accrued in that like few years since those things. Mm-hmm. And I wrote that prayer out because I have to write my prayers because my brain goes, I'll be like, Hey God, what's up? And then my brain's like, there's laundry in the dryer. And I'm like, shut up brain. We're praying right now. (laughs) So like I have to write everything down. And, um, I did that for, it took me about four months. I did like one a day and, um, and it completely changed how I experienced forgiveness. It's the whole reason why I wrote that question that way. Mm -hmm. Cause, um, it just like it just changed the game. It was yeah. just, because her whole thing was is you can't ask to be forgiven in the ninth step without fully forgiving everything. Yeah. In the eighth step. One yeah. One of the things that was suggested to me very early on when I uh when I started to make tenth step calls after the after doing the the brunt of step work was if I have a resentment or if I have something that it is difficult for me to forgive another person then pray on it because it really right. does. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, my sponsor suggested do it every night for two weeks. Two weeks. Pray and for them for two weeks. Oh, then everyone's night. gotten that one. Everyone, everyone listening to this one. just went like, ah, yes. <laughs> and it's a good oh, one. You again. Yeah. But it is so good yeah. and it is so accurate. It's beyond us. Mm-hmm. And cause if you can wish for somebody else to get what they want and to get, and to and to live a full and hap and to live happily, yeah, and to be successful in whatever the, in whatever they're in, endeavoring mm-hmm. to do. I, uh, I after a while, you're like, yeah, okay, yeah, they deserve happiness too. You may have prevented a school <laughs> shooting, you know. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I don't hang out with a lot of teenagers, <laughs> so I don't know how many school shootings I'm preventing at this point in my life. So. Yeah, you mentioned uh, your spiritual practice earlier. What does that look like? On the daily basis, um, well, on days that are not like today, where it was not a it was not a good the the most good uh, spiritual day for me, um, I wake up and I do a third step prayer and a serenity prayer, and I uh, do a a morning inventory that involves a gratitude list and and talking about what my biggest fear is for the day. Um, sort of plotting out where I am at mentally and spiritually. And then uh, I try to meditate every day for 20 minutes in the morning. Hmm. Uh, I got a little meditation cushion about a month ago. Uh Uh-oh. A little birthday gift to myself. And that has been very nice. Treat Uh, yourself. It's so comfy. It's a little buckwheat meditation cushion. Shout out to to buckwheat technology. Sponsor us. Good for you. <laughs> That's um, awesome. Because you're, but you've always embraced the meditation end of this thing. Like, yeah. Well, I think meditation is extremely important, and mm-hmm. I think this is something. I remember I, uh, I was doing in the mornings. I was doing like three or five minute meditations, and I remember I was I was telling another guy in my sponsorship family about my meditation practice. He's like, "Nah, dude, do twenty minutes twice a day." And I was like, "What?" That sounds like and Zane he was with like, Zane. <laughs> No, it was uh, uh, someone with a lot of time on their hands. <laughs> it was somebody with more time dude. than me. <laughs> it, you know, you know Scott. Scott, 
he's he changes his hair oh, yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He he's real. He does like ten. This is the guy who. This is a guy who does like the. He's got way more meditation experience than I could ever fathom. He goes. He went on a ten day silent retreat. Jeez. I can't. I can't. And I, I was can't. Like, How? I, God. But he's got so much serenity in his day to day life. I'm like, that works. Zen dude. So Zen. Dude is uber Zen. And he's the one who suggested it to me. And he went, and I was like, okay, well, I'll start trying that out. And one of the things that he suggested after I started doing that that was really helpful uh, in addition to that was so when you meditate, you're going to hear other things pop up and you're going to hear and you're not going to be able to focus. So when something pops up, try and just catalog what that is. And so that way you know what it is. What does that voice mean? Who is talking to you? Hmm. And so now I'm like, I'm aware of what bounces around in my head and who is talking to me a lot more now than I was a year ago. And that is a really good uh, guess who board game to have in front of me. Because it's like, oh, is this my uh, is this my teenage me is this my mom is this me Mm. trying to please a certain person is this my dad is this like what who who what am i what what is manifesting in my thought pattern today yeah and do i need to act on that thing or is that just my own or is that something that is fear and insecurity and something that will keep me straying from the spiritual path that i feel that i feel drawn to I remember I was having a talk a while ago. Um, we were driving back because I will go and perform at, at rehabs and detox facilities and stuff mm-hmm, sometimes. Mm-hmm. And we were driving back from one of these shows in the middle of the day. And we were talking about uh, free will and whether or not we have free will. And the way I see it, is that we do have free will and whatever created us, higher power, you, mm-hmm. you can label it yourself as you probably have. Um, whatever did this to us and whatever, whatever, for whatever reason we are here, there is free will and we can, we can do whatever we want. Mm-hmm. Is, that the, is that the thing that is going to make us the happiest? Is that the thing that is going to make us feel that we are finding our purpose and we are doing the thing that we are drawn to? ultimately to do not necessarily Mm -hmm. but there are always things that will try and jolt you back onto the spiritual path and to the path that you should be following that was the biggest struggle i had going through my sobriety where i was asked to like surrender let go i was like wait you want me to sit here and do nothing and just sit here in a room and just do nothing and be nothing i'm like oh it doesn't mean that it means that you go about your path and you let your conscious speak to you. You let your, you know, your your present day person speak to you. You let your past lessons speak to you, mm-hmm. versus continuing that vicious cycle. Like today, I didn't want to pay for a parking ticket because I fucking hate meter maids and I have this crazy idea that oh, they're gonna get money out of this. Like all of them, fuck the city of L.A. They're getting my money. And then I had to go get my window tint taken off because apparently, like, they need to see my face while I'm driving because ISIS drives a Prius. I don't know. It was really. It's always been like that in California. Yeah, it's yeah. insane. It's, it's been like that. I since see the 80s. it every. I know. I know. Before I was born, in my little brain yeah. wants to be like, "Hey, uh, you know, just fuck authority. Let them come for you. All right, you're gonna have to kick down my door and take me, yeah. take my money." 
You mean I'm special. Exactly. You don't understand. I'm special. My case is different. Exactly. Yeah. That so. was, I had an ex once say, he was mm-hmm. like, if, if everyone in the program could have a slogan, it would be like, you don't understand. I'm special. My case is different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's insane. Uh, what's your relationship with your higher power look like? It's staying in touch with my higher power as much as possible. Uh, mm-hmm. And my higher power goes, for the most part, I'll use God as a shorthand. I prefer to think of my higher power as as the universe. Mm-hmm. And uh, it doesn't necessarily mean, like, it, you know, I don't know about a, like if there's like somebody who's up there playing SimCity with all of us right now and like there's a building or there's a tornado and that that is put in that is placed there if there is what the fuck <laughs> oh my god they're wiling out that's holy right. shit <laughs> but so there are things that, that's and and that and stuff like that also makes me like eh, is there like a god but it's also like the way i look at it now is when i first wrote down my concept of a higher power there is a macro and a micro and the macro is the world exists and there is not a lot that I can do about it, but it exists and it is here and we are fortunate to live in a place where we're like alive and get to experience life. That is a rare, rare situation that we find ourselves in Mm -hmm. incredibly rare. And on a micro level, it's, Am I doing what I can to stay on the the path that I feel drawn to? Because willfulness, I think, manifests as trying to do things that you might know are wrong, but you want to do anyway because you want to test the waters and you want to see what's what it is. Um, I remember this happened earlier this week. I was talking before I started uh, officially working with my new sponsee. He asked me a question and said, so do you think you will ever be in a situation where you're going to socially drink? And I said, I mean, I suppose I could do that, but I also am pretty sure what lies on the other side at this point, Mm -hmm. given the experiences that I had when I was drinking and as that progressed. Mm -hmm. And so what I do, would I do it again? I mean, I could conceivably, but why would I do it again? And that's the path of willfulness versus not will versus acting on on my higher powers will for me, mm-hmm. which is, hey, I could do a thing and see if it if it, if it's fucked up or not, or I could just do the thing that I know is not fucked up. Right. Yeah, like showing up to an audition versus not showing up to an audition. Anything beyond the actual audition is out of your control, mm-hmm. but you showed up. Yeah. You gave it your best, and that's all you can do. A lot of my relationship with my higher power right now involves me just going, all right, let's uh, thro- throw it at me. Yeah. I can handle this. And then sometimes it's it, it's a trick to figure out how to handle a situation. Uh, and I'm sure that that is going to continue. Uh, I have no control over my surroundings for the most part. There's a lot that is... Uh, that is thrown at me that I don't know how to handle and I have to react and learn new things about myself and learn from others who have more experience than me about how to interact with the world around me. I am a lot more willing to accept that now than I was then. And, Mm -hmm. uh, that I'm very grateful for. 
but a lot of it is staying connected and this is something I, I spoke in a meeting a little while ago and somebody said, I appreciate how, uh, how you put how practical working the 12 steps are. And it's not and practical. The, it's not spiritual. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause it's the thing. It's like, you don't have to really get, you don't have to go all and, and you can, you can work your program however you want. What worked for me was looking at it from a practical standpoint and applying that to spiritual and, and, and to having a spiritual connection as well. Just doing it's, the work. Yeah. So for me, it's like I go by, I go with a sort of rigid ish. And if I don't have a day that is a perfect day, and that's fine. And I can live with that. It's not ideal. But when is li- when has life ever been a perfectly ideal situation? We don't live in a vacuum. Right. We don't live in a controlled environment. We don't. We have. We have no control over that. There are certain things that that, that used to baffle me. This is fair. This is, again, I'm quoting direct out of the book here. Mm-hmm. Situations that used to baffle me do not baffle me anymore because I can go back to my higher power and go. All right, what next? Where if 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 it really gets down to it, where where do I look from here? Right. That's a great way to end the podcast i feel anna you have any last questions that was only yeah, 11 yeah. questions yeah, okay the listener um, questions. <laughs> uh well we haven't uh, we have we haven't been doing that because we haven't released any yet but mm. um uh i would say like what would you tell yourself last year mm-hmm. or even right when you first got started what what mm, advice or knowledge would you give to your person who you were this time last year this time last year i think the thing that i needed to learn over the course of this past year that i i guess i wish i had known it already but i don't really because it's nice to learn that yeah but it'd be super boring if we all lived in the matrix world where we we're like i know kung fu now like yeah. that would be real doesn't make for much of a no, boring character development right in that. yeah <laughs> i think that the thing that i am that i am the most grateful to have learned is that the really really the only thing that i can control is my output all I ha- all I can all I can out all I can control is what I do, whether that is a creative output, whether that is the things I say to other people or the things I do with other people, uh, whether that is something as simple as waking up at a certain time and actually getting out of bed or going to bed at a certain time and not sitting up getting lost down a YouTube hole or something like that. <laughs> um, th- these are things that I have control over. Everything else, it's not up to me. Everything else is very out of my hands. And as I grow to accept that more and more, I find my interaction with the world around me becomes a lot easier to do and to where I'm not freaking out about what people think about me or freaking out about... I mean, that's the thing I freak out about the most is what other people think about me. But I don't freak out, but I don't have a reason to freak out about that if I'm thinking, 
uh, you know, there's no control over that, really. You're not walking on eggshells anymore. If I do what I can, the one of the thi- one of the main goals of my sobriety is to try and just be the best version of myself as a baseline. And if I'm acting in a way that I'm that I'm coming from a place of of trying to be a good person or coming from a place of contribution and and not thinking about what I can get out of a situation then it's going to work out fine. That has been my experience so far. And uh, I hope to continue to have that experience. And that is yeah. something that I, nice. that is a, that is the kind of experience I wish that I had understood a year ago. Yeah. Cause it's a lot less, uh, this, it's a lot less stressful to, to interact with the world like that. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Trying to fix, manage and control everyone's thoughts <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. <sighs> I am not a puppeteer. We did it. We did do it. Hey, good job, man. Hell yeah. That was Thank awesome. you so much. I had fun. That was cool. Thanks for having me back, guys. I know. I guess I want I want to be like, I guess we'll see you in a year. <laughs> the trilogy is complete. Part three. Uh, Return of the Jedi. Hey, where can our listeners find you? I am on Twitter and Instagram at Diet J. And Facebook and uh, J Light Comedy, jlightcomedy.com for show dates. And uh, I have a podcast that they should listen to called Blockbusting. Yeah. That right. is where I talk shit on the movies. And it is a very much fun thing to do. Yeah. Getting verbally violent on these movies. Yeah. Did you, you t- did you take down I Should Have Planned Better or is that still up? Oh, somewhere? no. I took all that down. <laughs> <laughs> That's all down. <laughs> All gone. Oh, it's, Goodbye. Uh, it's buried in a coffin uh, in the cloud. Oh, that makes that was, so. Can I tell you a funny story about yeah. that? By the way, what that this is a thing that it was like a this is like a surrender and acceptance thing. Um, I didn't take it down until I I got notifications in my SoundCloud. Uh, sent to my email about like, hey, your SoundCloud premium account is about to expire. Would you like to renew? And it was still new enough in the breakup that I was like, well, and other people were like, you guys are totally going to get back together. And I was like, maybe we will get back together. Maybe things are going to be okay. But keep the podcast here. We'll definitely get back together. So I kept, <laughs> so I paid for another year of SoundCloud Pro. So now you have to do a podcast. How funny. But that's the thing. I'm not even hosting the podcast on SoundCloud. That's I'm so hosting it on funny. another service that I'm also paying for completely separately. <laughs> That's the funniest thing in the That's whole world. The song in the background a, plays, I want to know what love is. And I remember there was new. a point, because we were like, we had talked about doing a breakup episode, and then I was like, hey, do you still want to do that? And hoping that it was going to be like, yeah, and then maybe we can keep the podcast going and we'll be exes and it'll be fine and it'll be like a whole new thing. And then she was like, nah. And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. That makes sense. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> It's, it's and then I spilled coffee all over myself. It's <laughs> it's the only podcast I was ever on where I had to do the introduction for the hosts because you guys started fighting the minute you hit record. <laughs> it was literally like you went boop and then it got weird. <laughs> one of our gu- one of our guests we had who commented almost the entire time about how bad of an idea the whole podcast. Was. <laughs> This is a bad idea, guys. Why, Why would we... you guys do this to yourselves? <laughs> classic Anna. Are you sure how long you want to do this again? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my God. Well, uh, close it out for yeah. us. Yeah. Anna, where can our listeners find you? Uh, at Anna V is fun on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, for show dates, you can find me at 
AnnaValenzuela.com. And I'm on Facebook just as my name. I don't hey. have a fan page. Uh, and uh, come check out Crisis Comedy. Uh, type that into your into your browsers. Uh, we've been producing a show out in um, Alhambra-ish at a place called Holy Ground. So if you're in the LA area and you want to meet me and uh, one, of my, one of my very best friends in recovery, we're co-producing a show. Um uh, it, it started the exact same way meetings start, a resentment and a coffee shop. Oh, so, or a coffee right. pot. That's what we used to say. Like, yeah, mm. how, does a, how does a meeting start? A resentment and a coffee pot. So, uh, she, yeah, she uh, wanted to see a type of show she wants to see. So, I'm going to with that. You can find me on all social media at Dapper Duong. That's D-A-P-P-E-R-D-U-O-N-G. All my shows and stuff there, links, the whole nine. Guys, it's there. And I'm uh, every Monday, of course. I'm at Big Wings in Hollywood with my boy Haiti, just running one of the most uh, crazy rooms that Jay was actually able to reset <sighs> this past week. God, it's, damn! It's a uh, it's a three ring circus. It went off the in- fucking rails inside man. of uh, yeah. inside a, of. A, I felt like Spider Man in Spider Man Two when he has to pull the train that is <laughs> yeah. together. And after I did my set, I was just exhausted. What? And I told I had to what leave. happened? I had to leave and take a. And I went home and I took. A, I walked around the block for like fifteen minutes. I was like, oh uh, boy, three way roasting. Everybody talking shit on everybody. David Lucas trying to roast me. Me roasting David Lucas. Uh, David Lucas roasting Jeff Carousales. Jeff Carousales talking shit to our audience members. Deep. Audience members roasting roasting Jeff Carousales yeah. back. Haiti screaming in the background. <laughs> that is a defect mosh pit oh for which I God. could not have and been I in the middle. I remember I was sitting there and I was like, I have to go next. What's Jay looked going at me happen? like he was like, "Oh, I gotta save this city again." <laughs> That's so funny. It was. I did what I could. It was amazing, oh guys. God. This was the Twelve Questions podcast. Yeah. Thanks for Thank having me. Wait, we didn't do the thing. Oh, the, hey, thing. the thing. The thing. Anna, the do the thing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 Alex. Uh, in case nobody's told you this uh, today, uh, I love you. Love you too, Yay. Anna. And Jay, in case nobody's told you this today, I love you. And if you're listening, if no one's told you this today, I love you. I love you both. I love everybody. Yay. We love you guys. We want you. We can all do better. Okay. Yes. Yeah. One, oh, two, two, three. three. Whoa. Yeah. 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 Yeah.